The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for checking out the program this week as we're coming off of UFC 258 this past Saturday in Las Vegas. Pretty solid event for the UFC. Didn't get a lot of buzz, but I thought it delivered in a lot of ways. The main event, we saw Kamara Usman take another step towards legendary status. Big finish of Gilbert Burns in the third round. He is still the welterweight champion. And how about Gilbert Burns? So, so close to accomplishing his dream of becoming a world champion. Just wasn't meant to be. Had Usman hurt really bad in that first round. And he said, in essence, the uh, the Cody Garbrandt in him came out. Got a little overzealous. Usman showed incredible grit, heart, and composure. And he's still the champion. Third round finish of Dorino. And what is scary about Kamar Usman, the man is getting better. He's getting better and better at this point in his career. And uh, that's a scary thing for those in the 170-pound weight class. Burns will be back, no doubt about it. What a guy, great character, went up to the press conference, answered all the questions, so he'll be back. Big shout-out to that guy. But the, the the big topic coming out of this event is what's next for Kamara Usman. Gets on the mic after the win, calls out Jorge Mazadal to run it back from their fight at UFC 251, and, you know, I've seen it everywhere now. Oh, man, nobody wants to see that fight. What a bad call-out. Usman's picking easy fights and yada, yada, yada. I've said it before. I have zero issue with that call out whatsoever. And sure, when we're talking about like meritocracy and winning streaks and all that stuff, like, yeah, there's there's holes in it. There's arguments against it, especially with like Leon Edwards on his current run and stuff. I, it, listen, I understand that. If you think like Leon Edwards deserves the, the, the shot over Jorge Mazadal, great. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you for thinking that way. 
The one thing is, one, Leon Edwards hasn't fought in so long. But here's the, the more important thing, and I've been talking about it since the end of last year. There's been so little movement at the top of this division with all the great talent that is there. Yes, we got Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal, and there you go. That was something. We got Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. That was good. The UFC also made three attempts to make Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev, which was actually supposed to be the main event for both of those fights that I just mentioned before for those cards. And we know that the fight is now off again on March 13th. And because of that, we can now move forward from this. We don't have to rebook Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev. That is done. Okay, we don't need to go back to that well. It's over. Maybe it happens like later on down the road, but now no need for it whatsoever. But there's no clear contender, no clear championship title contender, all right? We had this issue with the featherweight division not too long ago, if you remember that. Alexander Volkanovsky beats Max Holloway UFC 251. A lot of you felt that he didn't beat Max Holloway, and that's fine. No matter how you scored that fight, that's two wins in a row against Max Holloway. Very hard to book a third fight right away. And there's nobody else there for him to fight after that. So Volkanovski did a bunch of interviews. He was on this show and he was like, listen, I want to fight, but someone's going to wow me. We need a contender, to, a contender to emerge. And then we got some fights on the books. We got Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. We got Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater to kick off this year. Now we got something cooking, right? Ortega gets the big win, beats the Korean Zombie. He becomes the number one contender. That performance was merited of another one of a number one contender spot. Good on him. He's fighting Alexander Volkanovsky, UFC 260, at the end of next month. Max Holloway, after that ridiculous performance against Calvin Cater, he should probably be next in line. And then, so we got two guys now. We still haven't seen Yair Rodriguez fight in a while. We haven't seen Zabit fight since November of 2019. There's so much talent there. But again, when these guys aren't fighting... You can't just like pick somebody out. You know what I mean? Someone's got to emerge and be the top guy. And we're dealing with that right now at 170. To sit there and wait for specific fights, not a good strategy. And Usman in this call is saying, and he reiterated it, speaking with the media after the fight, I got to see some movement. I got to see something happen. I need some activity. I need to see these fighters in the top five, the top seven, fight each other, and let's get some contenders going here. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. Usman personally has a bad taste in his mouth from the Mazadal fight. Mazadal has a bad taste in his mouth from that fight. And there's, guess what? There's money to be made in this rematch. Whether you say you don't want to watch it or not, there's money to be made. This is probably the biggest fight you can make for Kamara Usman at 170 pounds at this moment. Because it's not going to be Habib. It's not going to be George St. Pierre. Can we stop with that? None of these guys are coming back. They're not coming back. Okay? They're not coming back. So right now, with what we have... In front of us, Usman versus Mazadal is the biggest money fight in this division. Okay? That's just the way that it is. And by the way, not, not just with the money, how pissed off will Colby Covington be if the UFC books the rematch between Usman versus Mazadal before Usman versus Covington or before Covington versus Mazadal? I'm sure both of those guys would love to give that old feeling to Colby and kind of stick it to him a little bit. In the end, this is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Gets the biggest draw in this division back in there in Jorge Mazadal. Both guys get a full camp. There's the story to build upon. And on top of that, it forces movement at the top of this division. So if Leon Edwards still fights March 13th, which he plans to do, a win puts him next in line to get the winner of that fight. And then we have Colby, Wonderboy, 
Gilbert Burns, Michael Chiesa, you know, all these guys. The one issue I will have with that callout is if, you know, come May, June, July, this fight is not on the books at least. And I don't care about the Ultimate Fighter thing. I, it doesn't need tough. It doesn't need it. I don't care about it whatsoever. But if we're waiting like May, June, July, August, and this fight is not on the books, then I have a problem with it. Then I have a problem with it. If we're going to do this fight, do it quickly, and then we can get this division moving on. But long story short, no real issue with the callout. It was actually a pretty smart one if you look at it for what it is. Maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but it is my opinion, and that's it. I think it's totally fine. So that was the follow to the main event of UFC 258. Also got a nice win for Alexa Grasso in the co-main event over Macy Barber. Good to see Kelvin Gastelum in a good place back in the win column. Nice win over Ian Heinish. Nice win for Ricky Simone over Brian Kelleher. And uh, there were some other good ones as well. And with that, let us run down the lineup and we'll get to our first guest. Wrapping us up this week, we're going to talk to Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Huge upset win over Hadolfo Vieira. And he didn't just beat and finish the man. He submitted Rodolfo Rivera. Who saw that coming? Incredible performance. And uh, this, this interview between him and I came together super fast. It was Sunday morning, less than 12 hours removed from his big win. Get a text from his manager saying... He's ready for your call. We knocked out kind of a reaction conversation, and uh, you'll hear that coming up at the end of the program. Oday Osborne will join the show for the first time. He's coming off his first UFC win, knocked out Jerome Rivera at UFC Vegas 18 earlier this month in just 26 seconds after a year on the sidelines. Always great catching up with the Jamaican sensation. That is coming up in a little while. In around 25 minutes or so, the former Bellator lightweight champion, former UFC lightweight Will Brooks is going to join us, and... It was a, a really fascinating conversation about a variety of topics, but I will say he wants to get back to the UFC. He feels like he's changed in a lot of ways, especially from a mental perspective since his UFC run came to an end. And uh, I think you guys are going to take a lot away from that conversation. So you'll hear that coming up in around 25 minutes. But first, let us welcome in a man we are still talking about since Saturday night after his big win, 31 months removed from his most recent Octagon appearance, Comes through in a big way. What a story. Here he is, Julian Marquez. All right, let us speak to one of the big winners from UFC 258 this past Saturday in Las Vegas after nearly a 1,000 days away from competition. This man comes in and steals the show and steals our hearts at the same time with a third-round submission win over Maki Patolo on the main card. Let us say hello to the Cuban Missile Crisis himself, Julian Marquez. How are you, man? Man, I'm uh, feeling on top of the world, but you know it. Every time you do something great, have a great time, the next following day something happens. And like I was saying earlier, my uh, my car AC just went out. And yeah, so I, it's negative 18 degrees out here in Missouri. And uh, I don't have heat. So I'm oh. freezing. <laughs> well, I, you probably miss Vegas right now, don't you? Oh, my gosh. We were out there. The sun was out. It was shiny. I was warm. I felt like I was getting a tan. And I come out here. And I just went into Antarctica. That's what I feel like. I feel like there's <laughs> be penguins around us. Well, I mean, l- l- let's warm yourself up with some some good memories, man, because it, it finally happened. You get back into the octagon for the first time since July of 2018. You overcame injuries, fights falling out the last minute, all sorts of hurdles. But you finally made that walk, got back in the win column. How does it all feel less than 48 hours later? Man, it, uh, it feels amazing. You know, I'm happy to be here. This is who I am. This is where I want to be. You know, I didn't have the greatest performance, 
I didn't get to showcase the skills that, you know, James Krause and Grant Dawson and everyone at Gloria has helped build during this time. You know, 31 months off definitely affected that. But, you know, we got the win and everybody's talking about me now. Everybody knows this this persona, this personality I have. Everybody loves me for being me. And it, it, it's amazing. It's funny. J- James was actually on our preview show on Friday and he was singing your praises discussing like what you have brought to the team atmosphere at glory, the excitement, you know, you, you brought to the table that the whole team had for you heading into this fight. So when you actually like arrive at the apex and you're finally making that walk to heart of glass, and you have this big smile on your face and you're dancing around. What is going through your mind in that moment? Ah, uh, man, honestly, I can't, I can't recall. I just knew that I was singing Blondie's version. I was singing Miley Cyrus's version. We were, I mean, we were pumped and we are excited. It's like, dude, it's time. It's here. You know, I had two fights prior falling off. Like, I hadn't made that walk in so long. I'm just enjoying the moment, saving the moment, and just having fun, man. One thing James told me while it was great to, like, have you on this card with a fight in the books, it was, like, equally as important that Maki Patolo was the opponent because the man is a gamer and you guys just knew that he was going to show up and fight you. So you had to be confident seeing Maki's name on the other side of the contract and it would take something of like epic proportions for this fight not to happen, right? Like your confidence must have been in a really good spot that you were definitely going to fight on Saturday. Absolutely, man. Maki is a savage, dude. I fought the best version of Maki and Maki showed the best version of himself at UFC 258. Um, and honestly, dude, he looked like a savage. And knowing that he signed that contract, I was comfortable knowing that we were having a fight. We were going to both weigh in on weight. We're both going to weigh in on weight. We're both going to be there. And that's exactly what it was. It was. I respect him so much, man. I love the kid. So you go through 10 minutes with him. He's keeping you on the mat. He's putting a lot of pressure on you. You're down two rounds, but heading into that third, Kraus wasn't mincing words, was he? He obviously said something that that flipped a switch in you. How pivotal was that 60 seconds between you and James heading into the third round? Like, how different did you feel after that conversation? Hey, speak of the yeah, devil. Bro. How are you, man? <laughs> What's up, bro? Wow, oh, man. It's amazing. You hear your name called, and there he is. What's going on? There he is. We both have the same problem right now. Both of our heaters <laughs> aren't working in the car. We're cold as shit. <laughs> oh, that's so funny, man. Speak and there he is. So yeah, what was those man, six uh, seconds like? Did you speak, speak of him and he shall appear. Uh, look, honestly, in that uh, second to third round in that, that middle, like James just knew how to speak to me. James just knew how to encourage me and get me in there. Like, you know, he was yelling at me and that's like, he knows that's how you have to talk to me. Um, he was able to speak to that person inside that I've been waiting to like show out for 31 months. I'm waiting to like let loose the guy that you saw in the Phil Haas fight, the guy that you saw in the previous fight, the guy that you saw in Darren Stewart fight. Like he knew what to say to me. And honest God, if you look at it and, and listen to it, I've never ever said yes, sir, to James Krause. Like I was a drill sergeant. Never. That's not how I've ever talked to him. And he's never really said it. Julian Marquez, like he would say, good job, Julian Marquez. Come on, Julian Marquez. Never talked to me. Like, we don't talk to each other like that. But in the fight, that animal instinct inside both of us, we're talking to each other. That was a different person in the octagon. That was a different coach when he brought out of him. They're just two different people that you don't get to see today. That That's only 
in the fight and he brought that out of me so it got me that victory and it, that's why he makes the big bucks you know like i needed that if he wasn't there i wouldn't have gotten what i had you know i wouldn't have gotten that finish yeah definitely it just speaks to how good of a coach he is and you come out like you said you're a different animal you blast him you cinch in the anaconda choke and he taps the comeback is complete man you did it man like can you even put into words what that moment was like for you when, when he tapped out with less than a minute to go Man, I honestly, I didn't even know it was less than a minute. I rewatched the fight last night, and I knew how the ending was, and I was legitimately like, I, I felt sick. I was like, damn, dude, I lost this fight. And then I got the submission. Like, I literally watched it as a fan in itself, and I like, I went through the little emotions that everybody was going through that night. It, I can't put you to words right now how insane that was. How like, you can't write a better comeback story than that of 31 months off going in there getting your ass beat for three rounds and then you know the last 43 seconds getting a submission win a finish with a beautiful transition from a guillotine to an anaconda choke and becoming the 18th person to ever perform an anaconda choke in the octagon uh following one of my teammates tim elliott who got an anaconda choke on his return after his acl tear like come on man it's just it's a beautiful script Absolutely. And li little did we know, Julian, that this is the beginning of your story. OK, what a story it was. But this is just the beginning, because throughout the week you're singing the praises. I mean, pun completely intended of, of Miley Cyrus. And after the win, you you put your heart out there for everybody to, to, to see and witness. You wore it on your sleeve. You asked her to be your Valentine. The admiration tour continued into the press conference after the win. And before we get into what happened, can you explain that this love you have for her? Like what sort of triggered it? How long has this thing been going on? Man, if you're a Miley fan, you know that you, you love her. Either you're either with her or you're not. And I've always loved her, man. Ever since I was growing up, dude, her music's amazing. You know, we've partied to a lot of the music that we had. And it's just always just club bangers. They always put you in a good music mood. You've never listened to a Miley song and hated it. 100%, you've never done that. And it's just, everyone knew it. Like, I, I just, I just, I can't explain, like, why I just kept growing to it, growing to it. And I ended up getting concerts. Like, people would buy me tickets to her concert and give them to me as gifts. And, like, I would go to all of her concerts and enjoy it. I just, I loved it. And then when I announced uh, Heart of Glass, like, I would walk out if she brought it to the streaming device. Everyone just kind of, like, was like, let's go, let's go, let's do it come on, you better walk out to it. And everybody just kind of piled up together. And I was like, all right, well, since all eyes are on me, let me, let me shoot my shot. I'm going to take it. And it's been successful. You know what I mean? Miley knows who I am. Miley follows me. Miley's practically in love with me and I'm with <laughs> it. Here's, here's what, one of the coolest things about this whole situation is because people, people crap on the MMA community. It could be a very negative place, but everybody had your back in this, Julian. Like everybody was tagging her after the fight. They wanted to see the story unfold and have a happy ending. And then it was like 4.30 in the morning, Eastern time, Sunday morning on Valentine's day. And she responds with the shave and MC into your chest here. And I'm yours. This was amazing to see. She gives you an opening. She responded to you, man. Like this is massive stuff. Like when you saw that, how pumped were you to see it? Dude, it was amazing. I actually was asleep and everybody was calling me, waking me up. I thought something <laughs> happened, and which it did. And it's, a, it's amazing. Like, you know, she she messaged me back and uh, we're riding. You know what I mean? We're just riding together. That's it. She comes through with that. 
the toughest group of people in sports is celebrating your success. This couldn't have gone any better. And then you respond to her, not with, you got it, Miley. I'm pulling out a razor and I'm going to shave these letters into the chest. No, you up the ante, you raise, you renegotiate, and you say, if you get a henna tattoo of Cuban missiles of your belly button, Tupac style, I think, first off, when I saw that, are, are you a Seinfeld fan? Do you watch Seinfeld? I, I've watched Seinfeld, yes. So there's an episode where Kramer gets into a car accident because the woman is walking down the street with a bra on as a top and he sues her and he's about to win the case and win millions of dollars. And then his golf caddy tells her, tells him to like, to try the bra on over her clothes and it doesn't fit and she loses, he loses the millions of dollars. This is what it kind of reminded me of Julian. So one man to another, I cannot question your fighting skills because I'm not a fighter and who am I to do so? But as someone who has played the wooing game and was successful at it, I feel like I have the right to ask you this question. What were you thinking? Why would you do this? Why would you? Why would I do this? The mountain. First and foremost, my friend, there's a lot more going on than you think, than you guys know. And I did that. Let's just, it's, it's working. It's, a gentleman doesn't speak, you know? Gentleman doesn't tell the secrets. I'm a, I'm a gentleman, but I didn't blow my shot. Okay. So you're so when people are saying like, ah oh, man, and you're seeing all these like quote tweets like, ah oh, man, why you do this? You're just kind of like laughing in the background, being like, oh, if you Absolutely. only knew it was actually happening. The difference between me and everybody else is I'm always going to be me, and I'm always going to be who I am, no matter what is in front of me, no matter who's in front of me, no matter what it is, and. The thing is, I'm not going to change who I am for anybody else. I'm going to be me. And a lot of people love me and a lot of people enjoy me. If I wasn't me, this call out for Miley on my Valentine's Day would never have happened. You know what I mean? That's me being normal. That's me being me. This is me 100% me if you know me. And the thing is, is that when I sat there, I know Miley loves Tupac. You know what I mean? I know Miley loves artists. I did that as a joke. I thought it was funny. It was great. And it went back. And the thing is, is it's, it's Miley Cyrus. You know what I mean? Like, of course, everybody wants to sit there and say, I'll do this and do that. It's like, no, I'm going to give you my real personality. And she loved it. She loves me. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing is like everybody else will, if she tells you to do this, you're going to do that. And there's a lot of things, you know, the MC is going to get shaved into my chest, but we're working on something real, real fun that, we're going to announce here shortly um, that you guys are all going to love. And we just, it just can't just happen like that. It's got to build itself up. Really? So between you and her, I guess I'm working. Don't worry, buddy. All right. Fair enough. Okay. You don't have to get into specifics, but you and her have like had conversations, right? Like, like, I don't know if you talked to the phone or anything, but you guys have met, like you guys have, have conversed in Saturday. We don't the have to get into specifics. never tells. Is it, can we at least get a yes? <laughs> anything just a nod a wink you know just just know just know you will have a big smile on your face <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough did you see um did you see matt brown was getting death threats because he said he doesn't I, find miley to be the most attractive person. i messaged he didn't say miley wasn't attractive he said he tweeted like out of all the people why'd you pick miley like what the fuck you know, he's about WTF. He didn't say anything. He's like, why? Like, he doesn't understand it. We're in a different era and everything like that. 
And I was like, I like what I like, but all everybody else just went crazy on him, which is hilarious. But I understand, you know what I mean? Like, Miley fans are hardcore. As you see, they're pissed off at me for not doing what she said, but it's okay. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Well, listen, outside of that, I mean, you've got a lot of things going for you, man. You're coming off a, a sensational win on pay-per-view. 2021 is off to a, a very good start for you. From a, like a competitive standpoint, how are you feeling physically coming out of it? Like, how is the body held up after your first fight in almost three years? Well, since I'm in an ice box right now, you know, everything I can't feel. So I'm good. Uh, all the swelling has gone down through like drastically, but no, man, I feel on top of the world. I, like I definitely want to get back in there as soon as possible. But I, at this moment, you know, the, my, my fight was not a perfect performance by no means. It didn't show a lot of good things. I made multiple mistakes. I had multiple opportunities to end the fight, but I just kept messing up after messing up. So I need a skill build, but if the right opportunity comes, I'm, it comes knocking at the door, I'm going to take it. And if it's, you know, in two weeks, I'm going to take it. If it's in three months, I'll take it. But right now I need to skill build and build it up. I just spent the past seven, eight months in training camp for fights and fights and fights. Now it's time to like, let's, let's build it up. We have the base, we have the platform. Let's do this smart. Let's not ruin it and jump in the gun or jump the gun and lose what we have. So perfect world if it was like up to you, if they, the UFC called you and said, hey, Julian, when do you want to come back and fight? When are you thinking? Man, I, I'm, I'm healthy right now. We can fight next week if we need to, or we can fight when we have to. Like, the thing is, is that I'm in no rush at the moment because I have to get the skill building. I have to get it all there. I wasn't happy with the performance. I'm satisfied with, you know, I'm happy with what I did and how I did it and having the transition and showing glimpse of greatness, but I wasn't happy. I, I got dominated. I was, I lost all three rounds, literally, but it doesn't matter. No one checks the comment box. I got the finish. At the end of the day, I got the finish. I got the submission, beautiful transition into Anaconda choke. But let's be real, man. I need to get better. I need to come out and, and perform like I should, look good like I should, because if I want to get up in the top 10, top 15, top five, or champion, I need to make sure myself's better. And I'm not just going to jump in there with a crazy fight and then lose everything. doesn't make sense to me. Is there anybody, I mean, you don't care who you fight, like you'll fight anybody, but is there anything, anybody that kind of stick out to you and be like, you know, it'd be fun me fighting this person. But Jake Paul, let's go. I'll take that. <laughs> motherfucker. Come on. You want what some you Jake Paul? Come and get you some. What do you think of this whole thing with him and Ben and, and all of it? I think it's amazing. I think it's a great, it's great. Um, it, it's entertainment. I love entertainment. Ben Askren, Jake Paul, April 17th, two guys going in there, two competitors. Well, one competitor, one YouTuber, you know, good boxing. Uh, it's great. We're all talking about it. We all love it. I'm with it. You know, I'll take winner. It's my son's eighth birthday too. What a present. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I, I do want to ask you about something real quick because it, it was mentioned on this show and I haven't gotten your side of it. Uh, I'm sure you've heard all about it over the last several months. There was like a little rivalry brewing between your coach, James Krause and Joaquin Buckley. And when I spoke with Joaquin after his win over Jordan, Wright, He told me that the UFC had already approached him about fighting you in January and that you turned it down. Can you talk about what happened with that? First and foremost, um, yeah, actually, uh, I said that it would have been awesome to fight Joaquin. I was 
I was like, yeah, dude, he looks like a fun fight. And honestly, my style, his style would be fucking great for entertainment. I'm with it. I came to Glory eight months ago, and I left Glory six years ago. So when I came there and I made that comment, they asked. I get a phone call from James. We had a conversation. That's his fight, man. They have they have legitimate beef. You know, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, or, you know, they don't, if they have beef with someone, they don't send somebody from their team to go take on that beef. They handle it themselves. Jorge Masvidal, if you got beef with him, you talk crap on him, he'll pop you right there in front of your face, you know what I mean? And even if you're doing it on the internet. So me turning down that fight isn't because I don't want to fight him. It's because he picked a fight with James Krause, and that's the person who has rights. He has dibs on it right now. That's the person he has to go through. He's calling everybody else out, but it's James and him that have that beef, and I can't step in front of that. It's seniority rules, you know what I mean? Like, pecking order of the gym, like, he's my coach. I have to respect his decision. I'm with it. If he wants to fight me, if he wants to fight me, he has to fight James first. You know, that's it. If he wants to fight anyone from the gym, he has to fight James first because the call-out wasn't anybody else but to James, right? Um, and you can talk to James about it too. Like I have, I'm not part of whatever they have. They have. That's none of my business. That's not that. I just called that out because I thought it'd be a fun fight. And then I got brought into it, and it's like, hey, this is my this is my fight. And I said, okay. Fair enough. Well, thank you for explaining that. I didn't get your side of it, so I'm glad we were able to clear that up here. Last thing, man. I know you're dealing with a ton of stuff right now, and you're freezing your ass off, but. Uh, what do you want to say to all those people who have supported you along the way? Like you've done a great job staying active in the community. You have the great podcast with, with Kendra Lust. Uh, your personality continued to shine through all these difficult times. And in this sport, when you go through these things, you find out who the real ones are in this journey. And I, it seems to me like you have a lot of real ones in, in your corner. So what do you want to say to those folks who, who have stood by you through all this and continue to stand by you? Man, I love you guys. I love every single one of you. Ballsy helped me out during this whole pandemic, a, a ball wash company that gives you like male products as well as like shampoo and everything. Ballsy, they've been with me from the start. They've been with me during the pandemic. They helped me out. They pushed me. My friend uh, at a couple cents.com, you know, he helped me out with investing and stuff to help keep my money financially stable during the time. None of these guys really did anything to help me because they believed in me. Kendra, the same way. Like, I love everyone that's been rocking with me through the highs and the lows, you know? Like, I, I it's so hard. It's so hard to say any, like, words and put it into actual words to, to express the true feelings that I have with everyone. Like, I don't want to say love so much because, you know, we say, like Marilyn Manson said, you, you say you love this, you say you love that, you say you love that. What value do you have on the word love? You know, it's true. Like, I love everybody, but like for them, like that's family. They're right. I can't. I'm just happy they stuck with me and motivated me, and encouraged me to get to where I am right now. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good stuff right there from Julian Marquez. And listen, I, I, I thought he dropped the ball. Like a lot of you watching right now, I thought he dropped the ball. I thought he thought he picked up the ball, ran it, heading towards that end zone. And I thought he fumbled on the one yard line with good old Miley Cyrus. But it turns out the joke seems to be on all of us. And uh, we'll see if that is in fact the case. We'll see how that all plays out. I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out. What 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 a what a story. I need to see like a love connection thing. Those two go on a date and got to see how that all plays out. But let's head to our next guest. Really interesting conversation with Will Brooks. Let's get to it right now. All right, it's been a couple of years since I've spoken with this man, but I'm very excited to have the opportunity to do so right now. Let us say hello to the former Bellator lightweight champion, former UFC lightweight contender, Ill Will Brooks joins the program. Will, good to see you, man. How are you? Man, I'm good, brother. Good, man. Just blessed, you know, living with my family, you know, taking care of the wife and kids and just trying to stay in shape, man. I hear you, man. So there's just so much I want to talk to you about, Will. First off, we haven't seen you compete since the 2019 fight with Glayson Tebow at Battlefield FC. It was a super controversial stoppage, a pretty controversial event in general, which we'll get to in a moment. But, you know, we're also in the middle of a (laughs) pandemic, which threw a lot of things for a loop. I guess, what have you been up to this last year and a half, two years? Man, I'll be honest, man. I've been, I've just, I've been in this space where I've been really focused on developing myself as a man, you know? Um, I've just kind of, you know, at first I was like, man, I got to get back. I want to get back to fighting and whatnot and doing things like that. But then I started bo- just started realizing that I haven't done enough to develop as a man, you know, and in, in my everyday, every like everyday life outside of competing. And I just started noticing uh, blind spots that I had. So during this time, I've kind of stepped away from, you know, chasing down fights and things like that and just really focused on, you know, developing my mental, emotional state, you know, and making sure that I'm the best man that I could possibly be. Because um, look, man, when all the fighting and stuff is done, I still have to be Will Brooks in my everyday life, you know, and and be the best dad I could be and the best husband that I could be. So I've put a lot of my energy into just trying to get better as a man. That's good to hear. Uh, I, I think a lot of us kind of took this time during the pandemic. I mean, it was obviously a bad situation, but a lot of people were able to sort of take the time to to use it to their advantage, you know, build 
you know, sort of improve relationship with family, wife, kids, all that stuff, spend that extra time and use it wisely. Do you feel like this time has been, you've been able to use that time to your advantage more effectively than, than most, I guess? Yeah, definitely, man. And I, I think for me, I've put a lot, and I think we're in a we're in a space in our in the world right now where people are really focused on mental health. And um, for me, that was one thing that I really dove into and really tried to put my mind to wrap my mind around that. And um, I've taken time to like, you know, seeing the therapist and things like that, just trying to uh, trying to test every avenue to make sure that I'm mentally and emotionally in the best place I could possibly be in. You know, so. Um, you know, seeing therapists and, you know, just getting more in touch with my own personal feelings and getting a, a awareness of who I am as a person, you know, and uh, just, you know, dealing with, like, different things like generational trauma and things that, um, maybe not your own personal trauma, but things that have been passed on along the years from, you know, uh, from your father or his father's father, things like that. And I think it was one of those things I started really kind of putting my mind toward, and you know, talking with their talking with my therapist and things like that, he just really kind of has enlightened me on how you know this generational trauma, how these hidden things can affect us and impact us, as far as just being a being a competitor, as far as that, and being a father and a husband. So yeah, during this time, man, I, I've really dove in into you know getting better mentally and emotionally, and just trying to make sure that. You know, I don't make mistakes that I did in the past. You know, what, what what sort of mistakes, if you don't mind me asking? Just like uh, just some of the things as far as my attitude and the way I approach some things. You know, as far as the politics of this sport. You know, I think uh, looking back on things, you start realizing that you steps out, you stepped outside of yourself. You know, you lost track of who you are as a person, especially when you have a success and this thing is moving over here and this piece is moving over here and you want to have control of everything. And you start to lose track of um, what brought you to the party, you know, what brought you to the dance and you start doing other things outside of that. And, and you started, for me, I started trying to find the answers and deciding that, Oh, I can make the answer. I've got the answer. And, and I just started digging a hole a little bit deeper than where I was, you know, and, Physically, I was able to compete as a fighter, but mentally and emotionally, I just felt like I was somewhere else for a long time. And um, really having to step back and having this time to step back and really realize that, hey, you know, like you mentally and emotionally, we're not in a good place. You were dealing with, I was dealing with a great deal of depression that I didn't realize. And um, it just manifested itself in different ways, which I think happens a lot. So during this time, I've just, you know, almost reintroducing myself to myself. So uh, that's kind of some of the things that I wish I, I would have known back then that I was, you know, your battle against um, maybe some type of family things, you know, like um, family, family traits and family generational traumas and things like that. And they tend to block you in, in your everyday life and you, you can't figure out why you're mentally blocking yourself or emotionally blocking yourself. So I've taken that time to really focus on like, all right, well, why was I feeling this way? And why was I reacting this way? And I've been able to address some of those things. It's always an interesting journey when you can start peeling back those layers and and looking that deep inside. That's for sure. Um, I, I know you want to kind of put that battlefield experience behind you for a number of reasons, but one of the big stories coming out of that event and other events they have had where fighters just weren't getting paid. Like coming out of their first event, fighters were getting paid, and then coming out of the second event, which you were part of, 
you were one of those fighters who had a hard time getting paid. Did you ever get paid, compensated for that fight with Clayson? Nah, man, I haven't gotten paid. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. We tried. Um, I went through legal, legal, the legal way of getting my money, you know, and um, it just felt like it was one of those things where they had made it so difficult to get the funds or even get get paid. They made it so difficult to go through that through the legal process that you wouldn't you would have ended up putting more money in it than getting what you got back, you know, and it just, it was, um, it just turned into one of those things where I just had to step back and think to myself, you know what, Will, um, if you had made different decisions, and this is just me as a person, I take responsibility for uh, like anything in my life, good or bad. So I looked at it and was like, you know what, you rushed into something where you knew that there was some issues in the past, you know, and, you know, you know going into it that they hadn't paid fighters and you knew it was a little sketchy. Even when we were out there during fight week, I kid you not, like, I had a hard time, like, kind of flipping that switch and wanted to be a competitor just because things just kind of felt weird and felt off, you know, and um, you kind of try to block it out, but, you know, it was just too difficult. And after after the fight and, you know, not getting paid and whatnot, it didn't really shock me or surprise me. It just the whole week of, of the fight week just felt like, yeah, something's not right here. And um, it, it just kind of went south. And like I said, we made attempts at trying to figure out a way to, you know, get the money and whatnot, but it just didn't happen. And I was like, you know what? I would much rather protect my mental health and continue to grow rather than put this energy into this and allow for this negative thing to to build up on me, I just recognize that, hey, maybe it's just time to let that one slide, you know, let that step away. It's going to hurt. Step away from it and just move forward. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just so ridiculous <laughs> that that is going on. And, you know, it's <laughs> happened so many times and it happens like in the sport in a number of different ways. It just sucks. But uh, yeah. around a year or so ago, there were reports out that you had signed with Eris FC, along with like a slew of other former UFC fighters like John Moraga, Juan Adams, to, to name a few. There was talks about you competing for them in August, I believe, before that event was canceled. Is, is that true? Did you, in fact, sign something with them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had signed a contract with them and, you know, we had the fights booked and, you know, they had their their uh, their location set up for the events. The first one, the first fight, the first fight was supposed to be in uh, South, South Africa, if I remember correctly. And then, uh, you know, they had to move things around. So they were like, all right, we want to hit South Africa. Then we want to do Belgium. And uh, so they had a couple of different uh, things set up and events already figured out. And, you know, they sent me contracts uh, for my opponent. And, um, yeah, we had everything signed. And, you know, COVID showed up. It was like, hey, everybody stand still. And we'll let you know when, when you can get back to living your life. So, um, yeah, things just got slowed down. So I've just been one of those people that has been impacted by COVID and mixed martial arts, I guess. So are you still like essentially under contract with them, just sort of waiting for the phone to ring, but obviously open to take other opportunities if something pops up? Yeah, they've given their they've given me their blessing to go and fight outside outside my contract. You know, they haven't fully released me from the contract. So we've been just kind of hanging back and, uh, you know, you you look for other fights and, you know, you start game planning and trying to figure out like, all right, what are we going to do here? How are we going to approach this? Like, what do I want to do with the rest of the years that I have in my career, you know? And um, you start just looking at the whole landscape of MMA 
and just kind of like build it from there because you can have your own game plan. But right now, like we've seen, um, something like COVID can pop up or a pandemic can pop up right now and, and shut all that down. And we're not even close to, you know, being done with this, you know, so um, you just kind of start watching and seeing the landscape and start calculating. And that's kind of what we've been doing now is, you know, I I haven't lied to anybody. I've been somewhat vocal about it, but then I've kind of been in the background. Like my one of my biggest goals is to try to get back to the UFC. And I've had some missteps in trying to make that happen, jumping at things that I shouldn't have jumped at. And like, <laughs> like the Battlefield FC, jumping at that, jumping at this, jumping at the next thing and things just not really working out. And now we're just like, hey, man, you know what? Maybe this this COVID situation and this pandemic situation is a time for you to like a, a freeze in life. Maybe God is trying to tell you, hey, sit still, figure yourself out as a man, and then we can do other stuff, you know. So it's just kind of hanging back and seeing what happens. So yeah, when it when it comes to because you were supposed to fight in November too, right? You had something set up for like a, a regional fight in November. Because I think I saw a video of you saying that like you had two opponents yeah. that weren't able to make it, and then you were just like, rather than cut yeah. all this weight and get to the fight, like, it, what if they don't have an opponent for me? It's kind of a waste, right? Yeah, yeah. I had I had got I was booked with um, Strike Card Productions, is an MMA uh, promotion in Alabama. Um, I was talking with them and it was just a way you know what man i'm like you know what i gotta get active i gotta get busy i need to go out and compete i don't really care where it's at when it's at um how much money is for i'm not really concerned about money I, my 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 family and my my wife and my kids are taken care of and we've been blessed financially you know so it was one of those things where it's like all right well it's time to lock down to figure out what the what the game plan is and that was I'm in a reset mode. Like, uh, it, we're in a business of what have you done for me lately? And I haven't been able to do anything. So we were just like, you know what? Let's just go out there and get active and get competing and show people that, hey, we're not just hanging out waiting, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I had booked that fight. And um, one guy ended up testing positive for COVID and he had to pull out, which is, you know, expected. And then uh, the second opponent that they gave me, he ended up hurting his knee or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but he had to pull out. And it was like the week of the fight and they were trying to still trying to find an opponent. And I just started thinking, hey, well, you've made this mistake before, you know, um, and I started going back to like my Oliveira fight with when I fought uh, um, Cowboy Oliveira when he he missed weight like six by six pounds six seven pounds or whatever. I was like, hey, you allowed yourself to get emotional when and react when really you should have did the smart thing and just hey, you know what, man, let's just hang back. We'll wait for the next fight, you know. So that's what I did. I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna put myself in this position where I'm just chasing something and then I hurt my body because I cut weight and there's no fight. With everything you've gone through over the last like five or so years between the UFC run, the PFL run and everything since then, I guess, how would you describe your relationship with MMA right now? Um, I, honestly, I, you kind of started to get that feeling like, yeah, man, maybe I'm, maybe I should be calling it by now, you know, but then I start, I start, I stop and I look at everything and I watch the way it played out and I, I look at the pieces and one of the things that I started looking at that really stood out the most, especially during this time of just trying to grow as a person is just realizing my role to play in a lot of those situations, you know, where 
I was blessed and was given opportunities and um, just through some, you know, mental blocks and emotional blocks and things like that. And, and this is why I go back to generational, you know, generational traumas and things of that nature where you're dealing with things that, you know, your upbringing kind of blocks you from getting to where you want to go in life and your mindset and uh, your attitude and the way you you process things going on around you. And I come from a background where my family didn't come from a whole lot. You know, my mom and dad, like the addiction, things like that, difficulties in prison and jail. And, and we have a bunch of brilliant, highly intelligent, highly capable people in my family. But one of the things that we've always kind of done is like block ourselves, almost block our own success. And during this time of having to be away from the sport and really focus on myself, it was like, wow, like I didn't really understand how I was, I was pushing these great opportunities away from myself. And, um, you know, just during this time, just kind of learning it, like feeling like, oh, wait, now I kind of understand who I am and, Physically, I'm like, man, I can go and compete with anybody at any any given day of the week, you know. But mentally, emotionally, am I am I fighting a fight, uh, a hidden fight, and I'm 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 unprepared for it, you know? And this has just been one of those times where I'm like, wow, okay, I was battling something else. It wasn't just competing. It wasn't just fighting for me. I was I was battling, you know, trying to be the person to change generational things, you know. So I put a lot of I was carrying a lot, and it was impacting my 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 mental state and the way I was responding and how I was operating in life. Yeah, because I, I remember, like, when you had signed with the UFC, you were the Bellator lightweight champion. The relationship between yourself and Scott Coker and the organization wasn't great, if we're being honest. And you yeah. signing with the UFC was a very big deal. Like, it was a huge story. And then you get there, and it didn't really pan out for you. And there's always, like, two roads you can take at this point. One is, like, you could regret everything and wish you could go back and do it all over again. And then there's the other part, kind of like what you're doing right now, where you reflect upon it, you grow from it, and you kind of, like, try to answer the whys because of it. If you could go back and do it again, would you change things up? Or are you happy with the way things played out to kind of put you in the position mentally that you're in right now? Yeah, see, that that's always a tricky question, right? Because everybody's like, oh, I don't regret anything. And I, if I go back, I'd do it the same. But I, I can't say that because it's one, like, one part of me wants to say, yeah, I, I, would, I would go back and I would do it the same. But... Part of me also, now where I'm at now, mental and emotionally, I'm like, wow, if I would go back, I would have I did things differently because it's like I wasn't, I was, I was, I was unaware of a lot of mental and emotional things that I was going through in my own life and how I was given so much energy to fighting the system and fighting this and arguing with this and screaming at this that I didn't realize that there was no fight to be had. It was just more generational trauma that just instinctually made me feel like I needed to fight everything. And that was just not in just mixed martial arts or competing as a fighter, but in my everyday life, man, my things were great at home with my wife. I had just had my daughter, just married, new house. Everything's going really well, but... I was constantly finding ways to like self-sabotage and it's like, man, like, yeah. So if I could go back, like, yeah, I would change a lot of things because I'm more conscious of 
this like ability that has come through like generations of self-sabotaging ourselves in the, in the Brooks family. And if I, I would, I would go back and change that, but at the same time, I would leave it the same because I wouldn't know what I know now. You know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have really addressed it if I knew it, you know, I could have been like, Oh yeah, this is, this is just who I am. And this is just how it's going to be. But I could have been way more destructive to more things outside of just MMA, but in my own personal life, like I could have wrecked things with my wife, could have wrecked things with, you know, my house or things like that or whatever, you know? So yeah, you want to go back, you want to do some things differently, but still stay consistent with your, your morals and your values and where, where you stand, you know, this sport I mean, you're living it right now, man. It's a, it's a wild ride. And, you know, I'm sure you're kind of watching everything from the outside. And one of the big stories in 2020 and so far in 2021 is a former opponent of yours that, that you're tied to in a lot of ways, Michael Chandler, a man you have two wins over, even stopped him the second time you fought him. And it was kind of a turning point sort of rivalry in both of your careers. Like Michael Chandler, when he, when he looks back to where he's at now, he reflects a lot upon those two fights and that sort of like changed his mindset and where he's at now obviously he's in the ufc just got a big win knocked out dan hooker in his octagon debut and he's in the discussion to fight for the belt right now so what has that been like for you watching michael chandler in the ufc and and what he's been able to do thus far yeah man i mean i i never wish ill on anybody i want nothing but success for everyone you know and i've i beat the guy but we all evolve we continue to get better you know and things change and especially MMA, the landscape changes, the timing on when you come in and when things happen for you, you might just hit that that jackpot. And I think if I'm being completely honest, I think one of the things that I've always respected about Michael Chandler is the people that he had around him. He has, he has had like a really great established team around him. And I'm talking about not just in um, like the fighting and training, but he's had a great business team and people that are kind of navigating and helping him during the politics of all this stuff and how to time this and how to time this and how to move that. And that was one of that's one thing that I would I would say that if I could go back, I would change is that I'm not saying that the people that I had around me were bad people, but I just don't think that they knew how to really balance and navigate a lot of the situations that I came into and and I didn't know how to do it myself you know I'm an emotional guy so I'm jumping off the I'm jumping off the cliff on anything you know so would have been nice to have somebody be like hey well go sit down somewhere and let me do this you know and um but whatever but he's he's had a success and I'm I'm hey man best of luck to him keep doing your thing but I tell you what man I, as a competitor it, it gets you fired up you get a little angry you get a little you get a little bitter. You get a little. Uh, you get a little pissy taste in your mouth because you're like, and and I'm trying not to curse right now because I'm getting all gassed up. But I beat any of those guys, especially you looking at a guy like these dead hookers and he knocks out this dead hooker and blah blah blah. I was like, well, as a competitor, you're like, yo, like that's I, like you just got knocked out by a 45er and then you beat up some old man Ben Henderson, and you know you come in and. And I get pissed at Dan Hooker because I'm like, yo, that that guy's not hard to beat. Like he's not hard to beat. And now I'm I'm sound like a jerk now, <laughs> but it is what it is. As a competitor, that's where I'm at. It, it lights a fire. So I'll tell you what, like when I saw that happen, I jumped up off the couch and I was gassed up and I was like, man, like I can beat these guys, man. I know I can beat these guys. Like 
I could jump up off my couch right now and beat Chandler, beat Danny Hooker, beat these guys, but I'm not in a position to say that. You know, I can't get on media and say that. I can't get on social media and say that because right now I'm, I am Mr. Irrelevant in MMA, you know? So it's one of those things where you look at it, you're like, all right, well, I got to get to work. And that right now I'm trying to get to work and, you know, maybe God puts it in my position where I can get back to the UFC and I can get back some of those wins that I left. And then, like, after that, we saw Dustin Poirier knock out Conor McGregor. And I know you and Dustin have, you know, had a relationship over the years. What was that like to watch Dustin get a win like that and kind of get put in the position he's in right now? Man, I tell you what, man, I, if there's anybody, I, I get more excited and I get more proud and happy and emotional for guys that I've trained with to have success, you know? Like, to look at that and be like... You had, you had some type of role to play, and I'm not saying I had something to do with his training camp, all that stuff. But knowing that you've been there with him, um, seeing him through the process, during his hard times, and training with him, and kind of getting to know him as a man, and seeing how he operates in his everyday life, when you see a guy like that start to kind of everything starts to come together for him, you get really excited, man. You get really proud, you know, and, and I'm super proud of that, man. I'm super impressed by him. And I, I remember coming into American Top Team when we first got there, we kind of got to American Top Team around around the same time. And, uh, you know, he had the great striking and I just had good wrestling. And so we instantly got partnered up because we could balance each other out. And since, that, that was like maybe seven, eight years ago, um, since then, I've been able to just watch him grow, and he's helped me grow as, and not just as a fighter, but as a man. Like just watching the way he operates, I, I mimic a lot of things that he's done in his life, and um, the way he operates with people, I try to mimic a lot of those things. So seeing him win and get his just deals and get his uh, get his little bit of revenge, you know, that was uh, that was exciting, man. I was so hyped. That's amazing. Um, so you want to get back to the UFC? That is your goal. How do we make this a reality, Will? Like, when you look at 2021 here, what are your goals for the year to help make this a reality, help make this happen? Yeah, man, it's it's tough, you know, because you know what the you know what the map is, right? Like, I know the map is all right. Well, this is a sport of what have you have what have you done for me lately, right? Um, and I recognize, all right, well, I'm I'm coming off the team about fight, regardless of if it was you know, controversial or whatnot coming off that fight, you know, and, and, and now you have to come and realize that like in this sport, you got to string together some wins, you know? So that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to, you know, find some fights and get that stuff sorted out. But I also recognize that with Aries, you know, um, I'm signed with them, but they're going to give me an opportunity to compete outside my contract. But, you know, this is, we're in a space of security also, you know, we have to be very, you have to be very cautious, maybe not so much cautious, but kind of slow player right now because you could be like, oh, I'm going to go fight over here and I got, I'm got, i going to be active. But if a, the pandemic and COVID decides that, hey, now your opponent just got tested positive or something like that, you, you kind of can't be like... Um, it's kind of harder to, like, to really get going. So... I'm just trying to be patient. I'm just trying to stay patient and continue to trust that God is moving in my life. He's done nothing but bless me and my wife and my children and continue to protect them even during this difficult pandemic. And not a lot of people can say that right now. And unfortunately, I'm one of those guys in mixed martial arts that, you know, has been taken care of and I've been treated well financially, you know. So 
I, I try my best to just stay in the back and be like, look, when the fight comes, it'll come, and I'll get to work, and I'll do whatever I have to do to get to wherever I go, and um, and and do it that way rather than, you know, be one of these guys screaming about why I'm not fighting when I'm like, yo, there's guys that are barely being able to pay their mortgage or pay their bills, so I'm like, yo, I'll, I'll, I'll hang back. I'm, I'm all right, you know. Couple last things before we let you go. Um, you, you, like you said, it, and, and it's it's so true. This is a what have you done for me lately sport, but it's also a never say never sport, Will. And like we alluded to earlier, before you signed with the UFC, the relationship between yourself and Bellator wasn't stupendous. You had a lot to say about them. Scott Coker gave you a full release before the contract expired. They said they didn't want to be in the Will Brooks business any longer. Yeah, and at the I'm time, cool. you, you Coker got mad at me. He, was, he did. He was I get it. Look, man, I, I can dig it. I'll be honest, bro. Like, I, like, it, like we, we asked the question, if you go back, if you changed anything? And I'll be honest, like, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't change the way that those things played out. Because if I'm being completely honest, I felt like I was, I felt like disrespected, you know? And I felt like things weren't going my way, you know? Would I've, and I, I, I would I've been verbal, like, would I've been as verbal on social media as I was, I probably would have, but I think I would have been a little bit more professional with the way I was speaking, you know, and some of the things I said, but I can tell you this much right now, man, I'm an emotional guy. And if you, if I feel disrespected, I'm going to disrespect you back, but there's a limit to it, right? You have to still be like respectful and like have that kind of like, look, man, like, I, like, like watching kind of what you say, but at the same time, it's like, yo, it, it is what it is, man. I mean, they've made some some pretty big moves over the last year or so. They just signed uh, a, all their fights are going to air on Showtime. They got a lot of cool things going on, big signings. Do you think there's a chance, maybe a, a reconciliation at some point? Like any chance we could see you back in Bellator? Maybe we let bygones be bygones. Would that interest you at all? If you could get into a room with Scott Coker and maybe try to hash this thing out sometime down the road? Yeah, man, I'm open to anything. We're, like we're we're in a period of like COVID and pandemic, bro. Like you gotta. You got to be ready to adjust and jump on anything, you know, like that's just what it is. So, yeah, I have my plan of, you know, trying to get back to the UFC and looking at that. It was like, damn it, man, I left there and I I just know in my heart and in my bones that I could do better than what I did, you know. And I think there was a couple little flashes here and there where like, oh, I, like I was showing that I could compete and be there. But mentally, emotionally, I just fell. I fell apart. I came undone. And, and you can't do that in this sport, you know, and. So, yeah, I want to try to get back to the UFC, but if that's not the case and that's not where God wants me to be and, you know, if God does some weird thing where he's like, hey, hey, uh, this window to Bellator just opened up again, I wouldn't look, man. I'm not I'm not shying away from that either. I'm just, right now, I'm just, like you said, man, we're in a time. This, this, these times that we're in right now, anything can happen. So you got to be available for everything, you know? What a story that would be. Will Brooks back in Bellator? I mean, that thing writes itself. That would be unbelievable, man. You know, That'd be unreal. Nuts. I don't even think like they I don't think it will happen, but I'm open to it. But uh, you know, I I, I upset Uncle Scott. You know, I, I I upset him. I get it, you know, so we'll see what happens, man. 
There you go. Great stuff, man. I'm glad we're able to do this. There's like a million other things I'd love to talk to you about, but we're unfortunately running out of time. But yeah. I got to tell you, man, looking at 2021, the, the Will Brooks comeback story, this journey back to the UFC, I'm looking forward to watching it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Spread that positivity on social media because Lord knows we need as much positivity and, and, and honesty as possible. So thank you again, man. All the best to you, and I appreciate you coming on, man. Can I if can I say one quick thing? Sure, absolutely. Hey, man, to like, and I've been doing this a lot, man. I think we're in a space right now where as men, we have to be very conscious of our mental health. And as men, we have so many responsibilities that we put on ourselves. Either you live in a traditional mindset where, you know, you're the breadwinner of your household and you're like that type of person or your wife is stay at home, whatever. We have to be very diligent in understanding that mental health is not just about, oh, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I'm, I'm this or the other thing. It, it, it comes down to just like things that you can't recognize. You may not be able to see that you're depressed. It may um, manifest in something else and you're, you emotionally are not happy, but you're smiling all the time, but you can't recognize it. So I would just say, man, like during this time that I've had off, that's one thing I've really focused on is being mentally, emotionally connected to who I am. And I would suggest that more men really start seeking out therapy. Even if you feel like there's nothing wrong in your life and everything's going really well, you can always use an outside perspective outside of your friends and family, someone to talk to you just in case, because you might talk to a therapist or something and something pop up and you don't even realize it. Like, oh, wait, what? Like, where'd that come from? So, yeah, man, I think a lot of men and a lot of women and a lot of athletes in mixed martial arts especially should start seeking out mental health and help mental health and therapy and things like that. Like I said earlier, a lot to unpack from that conversation. It was great catching up with Will Brooks and wish him the best in his quest to get back to the UFC. I mean, what a story would that be? That would be. What if he got back to Bellator? What if somehow, some way, Will Brooks just goes on this run and him and Scott Coker get in a room and he's back in Bellator? I mean, that would just be unbelievable. What a story that'd be. That'd be like that's like CM Punk going back to WWE. You know, what a story. But uh, we move ahead. Let us say hello to Ode Osborne coming off his big win earlier this month. Quick finish of Jerome Rivera at UFC Vegas 18. No bonus to go with that, which was kind of wild. But let's hear what he has to say about all of it right now on What the Heck. All right, we have Ode Osborne here following his first Octagon win at UFC Vegas 18 a little more than a week ago. He stops Jerome Rivera in just 26 seconds. Happy to have the Jamaican sensation on the program. O'Day, it has been a little while. We we're just talking about it off air. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. It definitely has been a little while, but it's, it's good to be back. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how does it feel, man? First promotional win under your belt. You did it in an impressive fashion. This, this couldn't have gone any better, right? No, it definitely could not. And it feels great, but um, I'm just trying to stay grounded right now and try to you know, focus on the mission because if you let it get you off task and you let it kind of take you then you'll lose sight and then you'll get all wrapped up in everything so i'm trying to just enjoy it but not overly get you know distracted by the hype or anything like that if that makes sense yeah so you don't like you don't sit there and smell the roses you just give it a little sniff and then you're yeah uh, exactly <laughs> yep 
Yep, just give it a little whiff. All right, it's good. <laughs> what's Throw next, it away. What's, what's, yeah, what's the next rose smelling like? Let's get this next rose. Yeah, I'm trying to get all the roses. All right, one rose, two rose. Oh, championship rose. Okay, let's go. Yeah, you want that golden rose. I mean, this yeah. is this is a nice rose, but you want that beautiful. You want that bouquet of golden roses. That's what I'm saying, man. That's rose. That, that that's what I'm be stopping like. You <laughs> smelling that thing. <laughs> It was um it was it was kind of interesting how the fight all came full circle because originally you were supposed to fight Jerome I think on that January 30th card that that yes. didn't happen yes. and then he and then he fights Francisco Figueiredo like 10 days before that and then you were supposed to fight Dennis Bonder on this card and then yes. you end up fighting Rivera anyways like how did you react to this chaos and this sort of kismet moment that after everything you're going to fight Jerome anyways um like I said, I think leading up to the fight, I just remembered um, why it is I was doing what I was doing. And, you know, my first UFC fight, I kind of lost my why, as I <clears throat> have been told. And uh, I, for I, I got lost in a moment and I was just like, oh, man, I'm here. I made it. OK, yeah. You know, but no. Um, so leading up to this fight, I just kind of stayed in the zone. I kind of just stayed in that, 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 that zone state from December when they told me I was fighting Jerome Rivera to when they told me the fight was off. You know, I was like, okay, stay in that zone. Stay in that zone, man. God has a plan. Stay in that zone. And then they got, they got me another opponent. Stayed in that zone. I trained, trained. I, tra not, I didn't change anything up. I didn't change up a thing. I, I just kept training, like... Like, everything was just on par. You know what I'm saying? Just kept it going, kept it going. And then uh, they got me Denise Bondard on the way to Vegas Tuesday. On the way to Vegas, they called me and they said he, you know, he has some issues with leaving the country. I don't know what it, you know, I don't know what, what it relates to or whatever, but I was like, man, okay, you know what? State, my, my managers were like, you know what? We're going to try to see if we can get a, a replacement. So I just stayed the zone once again, stayed calm, stayed grounded, trying to let my emotions and my thoughts go, you know what I'm saying? Because once you go down that rabbit hole, man, of emotional thoughts, you're just like, oh, man, now I, now I got to find somebody else. Now I got to watch them. Now I got to do it. But if you train for it, if you train to fight everybody, you don't got to worry about that. And that's, all, that's one thing I do. I, I, I train to be able to fight any style. And um, so they call me back about Jerome Rivera, and they said, you know, he'd take the fight. And I was like, but they said he couldn't be a flyweight because he just fought two weeks ago. And I'm sure he kind of uh, ate a lot and ballooned up a little bit. So it had to be at 45. So I was like, let's do it. So I had to, I had to actually gain, you know, I had to gain, gain weight for this fight. And that's why I said I was 143 instead of 145. Well, there you go. I mean, it's got to be nice that you have to gain weight instead of cut weight, right? Yeah, you have to be smart about it because, you know, I don't want to be, as Connor said, uh, stuck in the mud. I want to be nice and loose and be able to be fast and explosive, you know what I'm saying? So I had, I had to be smart about it. And it was a process, but just staying calm that whole time was the key. Yeah, and... and a lot of people like make, they talk about like opponent switches and like, how is it going to affect this person? And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is not going to affect O'Day at all because one of the, the, the main things I remember from our past conversations is 
the thing you loved about the gym you train at right now and the coaches you work with is that they allow you to be you like you're not training for anybody specific you're just you going out there and having fun and and styling like that's who exactly. you are it doesn't exactly. matter who you're fighting. it really doesn't matter who you fight right and, and that's why i believe that i get so many finishes i'm not trying to you know I hate myself up to a, any, any um, degree at all, but that's why I believe I get so many finishes because I'm, I'm not training to strategy. I'm not training one one style. You know what I'm saying? I can adapt to everything, and being able to adapt to everything that means you can hunt for food however you want to hunt for food. Whether I want to bring a rifle, a fishing pole, a bow and arrow an axe it don't matter i got all the tools in my belt and i can hunt wherever however i want so it doesn't it shouldn't matter it never matters whenever anything happens because this is my fighting style man I, i'm a i'm a finisher like i'm always looking for the kill always and people always are like well you know can you fight 15 minutes i'm like i can fight 15 minutes no problem like because i that's me I, i'm i will i will fight you for 15 minutes like looking while looking to finish you i'm looking for finishes for 15 minutes until i get it if i don't get it it's gonna be a miserable 15 minutes in there with me kind of going back to your octagon debut you said you sort of lost focus along the way the the, the why like you you, you kind of lost track of the why and I remember talking to you before that fight. I remember how confident you were. I didn't see like anything totally out of order, out of the ordinary, but I honestly, like after the fight, I, I do remember you saying like, when talking about being on the same card as Connor, like five years from now, people are going to remember Connor fighting on an O'Day Osborne card. And yeah. when, I couldn't believe the reactions to that fight with Brian Keller Hepter's over because you know, when the fight ended, people just annihilated you on social media, like oh, creating yeah. memes and all this stuff. And I know in the grand scheme of things, like who cares what they have to say, but yeah. like, were you seeing people sort of celebrate your demise, so to speak? Oh yeah, for sure. And I still, I still say, you know, um, people are, people are still going to see, people are still going to say that Connor fought on my card. You know, it's, 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 it's not, it's not something that, um, that I'm trying to brag about. You know what I'm saying? It's not a, a ego thing. It's a, I was on a small island and visualized being great at a young age and not going back to, you know, certain struggles. That's what that is. That's not a ego thing. So it, it didn't, you know, it didn't really bother me to be honest with you because I, 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 I've been, I've been dealing with people like that my whole life. My whole life is people doubting me, you know, my whole life. So on the grand scheme of things, I thrive no matter what, no matter what people say or no matter what it is, I'm going to thrive because I know how I am as a person, you know, and like I said, grounding yourself. But when I, when I talk about um, losing my why, I just meant from like walking out, you know, when I was walking out to the fight, like usually I'm like just stoic, but I was so amazed, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking, you, you know, you got Tom Brady and all these famous <laughs> athletes in the crowd are you seeing and you know what i'm saying i'm in my head i'm like man like i can't believe this is happening you know what i mean like i'm like i can't be, i can't believe i'm here all this time all these struggles all these tribulations and trials and and i'm here and I, you know what i'm saying but while i'm thinking all that i'm not i'm not zoned out to where i need to be and usually i get usually i get into a certain space a little a certain zen space where i'm i'm just uh, a destroyer in that space and um you know i wasn't i didn't get there because i i let that like 
all the distractions of taking in the, the moment, like, you know what I'm saying? Because it was a beautiful moment for me. I've never had anything like that in my life. So walking out, I was just like, damn, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is amazing. This is real, you know? But that's what I was saying. I let I let the, the elevation of the hype, you know, let me get just distracted just just that little bit just for a little bit it's all it takes because i know at the end of the day you know i can bust out of any submission and the thought i feel you know i did get caught in kelleher's submission but i should have never you know i i i wasn't focused to where i would just ah, you know what i'm saying like like to where i'm like a monster like i you know what i mean nobody can hold me down nobody can submit me when i'm truly focused and that's where I wasn't. And um, at the end of the day, he wanted it more, man. Shot, hats off to him. Do you think in a weird way that if that fight didn't get bumped up to the main card, that the walk wouldn't have been, like, as crazy for you? Like, because Brady and those people probably wouldn't even have been in the crowd yet. You know what I mean? Like, those yeah. guys probably wouldn't have arrived. Like, do you think, like, it would have been different had it been earlier and you guys didn't get that last-minute bump up to the main card? Who knows, man? Um, everything happens for a reason because I think that it was supposed to happen that way, so I can go back and revisit my station. You know what I mean? Um, it was. Some, I, I don't. I don't. Reg- I don't uh, regret that fight at all. Everything turned. It turned out just the way God intended for me to learn the lessons I needed to learn. That's all. Fair enough. Um, it's tough to go down those rabbit holes anyways. You don't want to get – it's dangerous yeah. territory to start thinking yeah. about that stuff. You only had the the one fight in 2020, and, of course, like a, a freaking pandemic strikes, and it throws everything for a loop, and not just for you as a fighter, but, I mean, you're a teacher as well. So everyone's forced to change and adapt with the times, and I'm sure you're still dealing with these changes today. What What would you say 2020 taught you more than anything with everything you had going on last year? It taught me how to survive in difficult situations, and I'm, I'm, let me let me rephr- let me rephrase that. It didn't teach me how to survive. It taught me. It, it it showed me that I was always surviving, and so it was just natural. When when COVID hit, it, it, I, I didn't panic. I didn't freak out. I didn't stress. I had nothing. It was just it was it was just you know what I'm saying for me, like growing up, um, you know my, my mom worked her ass off to get me to where I am today and we always had hard situations and stuff like that when stuff happens so I just stayed the course and stayed focused and it it just proved to me that everything that I've done in my life has played a part to where I am right now because when COVID hit and I saw I felt the calm it was almost like I went camping right and nobody else in the world have been camping before. And everyone's trying to figure out how to light this fire. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's trying to figure out how to hunt for fish and food. And I'm just like, I mean, I mean I've been camping my whole life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been hunting my whole life. What you mean? <laughs> yeah, like your badges on, you're ready to go. No, I had everything. I had my little my little flink, you know what I'm saying? I've been watching <laughs> Naked and Afraid since forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. I remember um 
you know, seeing you now, I remember the first time I chatted with you is right after the contender series win. And it was like one of those conversations that really stuck out to me because we didn't, I mean, we talked about the win and the fight and the contract and stuff, but it wasn't like about who I want to fight. And I want to be a world champion. I want to be rich. Like it, it was about what the opportunity meant to you. And it had nothing to do with popularity and being a star is about what you can do with this quote unquote power to give back to your community, to inspire others and, you know, inspire change that you want to see in the world. So, so I'm curious, and you can only do so much as one individual. How are we doing? Like, how is the world doing in your eyes? And I know it's tough because of the pandemic and everything, but how are things shaping up in your eyes compared to where we were in July of 2019? Um, one of my coaches said something to me, um, to be honest with you, I think right now we're, 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 we're doing well in my eyes because no matter what people say or how the system works or who we put in the office or who we don't put in the office, it's proven that the system works. You know what I'm saying? If someone, if say, just talk about, uh, if somebody's in office and people aren't happy with their results and how their performance has been, they're no longer in office. Um, now, in terms of how the world is doing now, um, I think, it's, you know, even with like racism and stuff like that, we're, we're, we're growing in, in a, a way that I've never seen before. I watched the Super Bowl the other day and I've never seen so many commercials I had um, Black History Month and um, just, you know, so many uh, just empowerful commercials that I've never seen throughout the years I've watched the Super Bowl. So I feel that we're headed in the right direction. And uh, if you listen to the, to, the, to the mainstream media, we're never going to be well. We're never going to be where we want to be. We're never going to be here. We're never going to be there. We're never, we're never going to be enough. But you have to analyze it on a certain wave. I think. I guess one of my coaches uh, said something to me in in Vegas, and he was like, "2020 happened. Like it it it, it was it happened. Okay, how did, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about how he said it. He said, I'm trying to. Okay, I'm gonna paraphrase. He said the things that happened in 2020 and the past four years were the best things." that could have happened to America because it, it, it kind of changed and evolved our country to open our eyes to different things. You know what I'm saying? And this whole um, virtual world, right? The virtual world has opened up in so many different ways, so many different things. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different improvements now on the virtual aspect of what we can do when we, when we can't leave our house, what we can do when we can't, you know, go for food. Well, we, you know what I'm saying? There's so many different things that, that just started improving just because, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, I guess a lot of people lost their lives because of COVID, but a lot of improvements started uh, started happening just because of this negative thing. So it's, it's all about your perception, how you perceive it. And I, I think now a lot of good things are coming and I'm just crossing my finger, man. I'm crossing my finger that it, it, it stays. And I really want... I really want unisense, man. I really want us to be united. And uh, just seeing all these 
like I said, these these changes and these commercials now and everything is 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 starting to hopefully come together. I don't want to speak too soon, but hopefully come together where you know the pressure of the country was up here. And like I said, man, if 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 our current president could just keep he don't gotta do anything. He don't gotta, I don't care. All, all he's gotta do is just keep the pressure down and just last out your term because you know we're like it's like a pressure cooker the pressure was just like it was just up here it was it was just boiling over and uh like i said i'm you know i i really i'm not one into politics to be to be honest like like when i say politics i mean like republican democrat i would never consider myself a republican or democrat i'm neither but uh i would i would like for like I said, that the pressure just to be just be down, so we can grow and build as a unit, as one. Like, and that's the message I always wanna wanna preach and give out, is for us to be as one. And um, I think, I know I'm, I know I'm giving a long speech right now. I'm talking. I'm just blabbering. <laughs> I'll be doing that. But I think the the power that the U.S. give me is the ability to to lead in that way. You know what I'm saying? Because you got leaders over here, and you got leaders over here, but you don't got any leaders in the middle. That's trying to, that's trying to, you know what I mean? Elevate everybody in the same direction. And that's what we need. We need some leaders that, that's in the middle to bring over here and over here together more. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to have a a, a a large role or impact. I don't know how yet. I'm just gonna pray on it and ask God to give me the voice and the direction. Do you feel like the MMA space is kind of in that place for you to become that middleman right now? Because I know with all these changes in the world and the pressures and all that stuff that you mentioned, it's it can be tough to kind of like jump right in there and plant your feet in that middle ground. But do you feel like the state of MMA and state of the UFC kind of gives you that opportunity right now? Do you see like a path towards it? Oh, most definitely, um, because the UFC is probably one of the largest sports in the world, right? Everyone thinks football is, but football is an American sport. UFC is, is worldwide, you know, um, and it's proven that in times of crisis, like when COVID happened, they went to Abu Dhabi and did, you know what I'm saying? So uh, the the platform there that it's that's given fighters is incredible, and I'm hoping that it'll give me a, a a very large platform to be able to do God's work and do whatever it is I'm supposed to do because I can't. I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm, I can just say things that I want to do, but I, I don't know what it is I'm, I'm going to do or what it is I'm gonna be able to do. I just know the possibilities are endless and I wanna be on uh, the possibility train. There you go. I, I think we all want to be on the possibility train. <laughs> right. You, whoever wants to conduct that train, sell me a ticket, I'm on it. Uh, I want to ask you about this. I haven't had a chance to ask a fighter about this yet, but since you're here and we're having this great conversation, I'm going to do it. One thing that's become like a hot topic over the last several days when it relates to MMA and the media and the people surrounding it. I don't know if you saw this, but Cub Swanson came out and stated that members of the MMA media should have three amateur MMA fights because it'll give us a much more, I guess, renowned perspective on the sport. So I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because you're managed by a company that does a tremendous job getting you guys and gals out there to tell your stories, to talk about what's going on. And you've done quite a bit of interviews over the last couple of years with lots of different people in this space, O'Day. What do you think of that? I would say 
um, if he said judges and referees should have three fights, then I would I would agree with that. But he's talking about people who are media platform uh, interviewers. No, nah, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think I don't think they should have three. Don't, I don't think you need to 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 fight to interview somebody. You know what I mean? All you gotta do is if you if you watch the sport religiously and you you do your homework right and you study and you do you watch film and you do what you need to do everything you need to do you don't need to have fights to interview somebody i think judging is different though but i think i don't think you need to have any fights to interview somebody i think that's nah i don't i don't think that because not everyone is a fighter you know what i'm saying some people just like to um be an anchor some people just like to uh be a reporter. Some people like to, to to interview people. You know, a lot of people don't don't like to fight, and that's just it. You can't you can't say that. You know, even though you don't want to fight and you don't like fighting, you gotta fight in order to be an interviewer, like or an anchor. Like, I think that's kind of silly. I think I, I think you just kind of like even even if you just like train. I think you kind of like oh, even, that's if went, yeah. if, even that too. But the yeah, three amateur training. fights, I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's because that's when the people. It's this a serious game, right? This is this is a serious sport. You know what I'm saying? Training, like yeah, training I can get behind, but fighting, I wouldn't just put you know anybody in there and, and say you should do this or that and and try to get your heads busted up just just to be a, a reporter. Like nah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go in there and spend 26 seconds with you, Ode. That's 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 crazy. My wife would never right. let me do it anyway. Right. So there you go. So yeah, so so 26 seconds, man. You get in there, this thing is over. And what's interesting about Jerome Rivera is that he has a style where, I mean, he's a big dude, so he can use his distance very well. And if he gets comfortable in his distance, he can make things very, very frustrating for the guy who's fighting. Like Alexander Volkov does a tremendous job with that. Once he figures that all out and uses that space to his advantage, it is tough to take that away from him. And you didn't give Jerome a, a chance to get going whatsoever. So getting in and out of there in less than 30 seconds, it's great. It's a short night, but after a year away, was there a part of you that's like, that's it? 13, 13 months away in 26 seconds? Nah, because the way I was thinking was I wanted it to be finished early just so I can get another fight. I don't want to wait another year to fight. I want to fight within, like, two months, you know? So I was happy because that meant that I can fight I can fight right away again. Well, that makes sense. But you had, and it was, you had a name to go, ready to go, too, Francisco Figueiredo, which I actually thought was, was a very smart call-out because why don't you just beat Jerome, got a decision, and you put him away in 26 seconds? I liked it. Plus, he's obviously the brother of the the current champion at, at 125 pounds. So, what, what did did you watch the fight between Francisco and Jerome? What did you think of it? I thought it was a I thought it was a good fight. I thought he looks, you know, what I mean, the first couple rounds, like I thought he was he seems like a fun fighter, like somebody that I would love to fight. Like I just, you know, what I mean, because he 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 just seems like his style is very like he's he's fun. You know what I mean? Um, and I probably will have the largest reach in the bantamweight, sorry, in the flyweight division. Probably, I don't know who has a greater reach advantage than me in flyweight. But I, I, I saw, you know, in that third round, he was kind of letting Jer- Jerome get his reach off on him, and I was like, oh, okay. But then, um, you know, they, 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 they both, they were, they were kind of going at it. Like I said, that third round. Like I was like, I saw Jerome come, you know, I thought he was going to come back for a second, but 
No, I thought I thought it was a, I thought it was a good fight. I watched it and I was just kind of like I analyzed it and I was like, mm. you know, like eh. I was like, yeah, it, it looked like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, it was a fight. Yeah, that, I didn't see anything spectacular. All right, fair enough. Um, so, Perfect World. When do you want to get back in there? Is this like a get me like in there said, ASAP kind less, of thing? Less than two months in the Perfect less World. There less you than go. Two months. So I know a lot of people have asked you about the bonus and with the way yeah. you're approaching your career. I mean, you listen, you've got these goals, you have these aspirations. We just talked about it, but you're also trying to like enjoy this journey along the way. Like you're not in any significant rush, but you're the kind of guy that like when the time comes, the time comes. So how did you react when you didn't get the 50 G's? Like, was that the mentality you sort of took with getting that news where it seemed like, Hey, it's probably coming, but if it doesn't happen now, not the end of the world, it's going to happen like the next fight or the fight after that. That's what it was. It was like, if it doesn't happen now, if it, you know, but but I was watching the fight. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to get it. And right when that flying knee happened, I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. But here's the thing, man. I I can't be ungrateful. You know what I'm saying? And I am grateful for what God has presented to me right now. And there was a moment where I was kind of like, man, I really wanted that 50G. I really wanted that bonus. But then I just stopped. And like, you know, people were asking me interviews. People, so many, so many people interviewed me about that 50, 50 G and I had to like take a step back. Like, you know what? Nah, man, you, you, you're good, man. You're just, you're, this is that hunger. Like, this is that hunger that all it is really is that I'm, I'm, I'm like a nobody right now in the UFC. And so I got to make a name for myself. That's all. You know what I mean? I gotta, I gotta make them know who I am. So that's, that gives me motivation to kind of, you know, like, Hey, here's somebody that you all never heard about. <laughs> I, I want to wrap with this because I thought this was very cool. And it, I think it was in October. You, you post this video to your Instagram and it's you in the middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya. And he wanted to do a video for like students in your class, like the, the ones that, that watch anime and are big fans of it. And it was yeah. just something like he wanted to do for them. I mean, this is the UFC middleweight champion. This is one of the biggest stars in the sport, you know, and you're a young guy, you've had one fight in your UFC career. And then he comes through with some cool content for the kids like that. That's awesome, man. What did that mean to you and to them? It was when I tell you like Izzy and I, when I tell you we clicked right, right away at the PI, like we saw, like we clicked. It was just like, we had the same exact energy. Our energy was so in unison. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I'd, I'd watched a video with him and he said, you know, when he sees a kid and the kid doesn't want to like freak out because he sees him. Then he'll look at him and I'll kind of give the kid a wink and then their eyes light up and they smile. And he was telling me, he was saying in the interview that that's like his, that's like the greatest moment for him is when he can make somebody's day like that. So when I saw him, I was like, <laughs> I'll give him a little <laughs> wink. <laughs> and so he knew right away what I was talking about. And so we kind of just hit it off. And it was just, it was just amazing that he just was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, we started talking about the kids that I work with and I was telling them, because I'm a big fan of anime myself. That's, you know, I, I, I watch anime religiously. So we were talking about that right off the bat. And then we started talking about the kids that I work with. And he's like, oh, we should do a video. Let's do it. And it was just, it was so awesome that, you know, he, he just, he, he took the time and was scheduled for a, like a, a physical therapy appointment. And he took the time and 
I think he I don't I don't know if he went and did that appointment. I think he 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 might have, but he stopped what he was doing and came upstairs and did that video with me. And I thought that was so dope. Like it it was unbelievable. I I you know what I'm saying? Like cause sometimes, you know, man, when you one of the people that are the champion or or any of that, they, they, they have a you know, like a chip on their shoulder and they have like not, not I wouldn't say a chip, but they have kind of like their ego. They don't wanna they, they walk around like they, you know, like they're the greatest. And, ah, and he was not like that at all. And it's good to see that because that's what I want to be like someday when I get to that that pinnacle. You know, I want to be able to to. That's my biggest fear. And I've heard this before from Khabib, and I see it, I see it. But my biggest fear is is this whole game changing me as a person and getting me shifted me away from God and what I really believe in and what I stand for. You know what I'm saying? That's, I heard that from Khabib once and I was like, dude, that's crazy. I think about that all the time. Like, I really think about that. Like, you know, like, am I going to change? Like, I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I try to be, that's why I try to ground myself so much because I don't want to change. I want to be the same person. I want to be this, the Ode Osborne that you're interviewing now and the same Ode Osborne that you'll interview, you know, five years from now. That's that's amazing. It's got to give you just some like great hope for that too. Like that future, like being around a guy like Izzy, it's just gonna be like, huh. See, this is yeah. Th- this might not be the easiest thing to do, but it's there. It's we we I can do this. A hundred percent, man. It gave it gave me a lot of a lot of good energy going into where I want to go. Amazing performance, O'Day. I mean, spectacular stuff. And, and I've said this, and I don't even know if you've ever even heard me say this, but I've said this many times over the last year and a half on like various programs that I've been on. I just think this sport needs more O'Day Osbournes. I think it does. <laughs> for real. I'm very I, happy I for you, man. That, man. I appreciate that. Like that, that means that means the world to me. Um, like I said, I really appreciate that, and I try. Um, my heart is just to be me and. I think in 2021, I made a decision. I made a really, uh, I think the decision, this decision that I made will forever change the course of my career. And just to be the captain of my ship, you know what I'm saying? Um, I want to be able to dictate what I enjoy doing and what I like to do and have suggestions. For instance, you're an anchor you want to be able to dictate how you want your show to go or your interviews to go or the questions to ask, right? When you have people writing your your questions for you and when you have people um, telling you here's what you should wear to work, it makes your job a lot more difficult, right? But then now when you take over and you say, you know what, these are the questions that I want to ask and this is what I want to wear. This is what I want to wear to work. It makes your, man, it makes life so much easier. And I think... It's it's made my 2021 just much better, you know, saying no to people that I've always said yes to doing things how I want to do it. And not just that, but my coaches have been just amazing. And, you know, transitioning my style to 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 formulate me because my ceiling is 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 it's ridiculous. Right. My ceiling is ridiculous, and I'm not just saying that as an ego thing. 
I just know where I am, and I'm just like I'm 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 just scratching the surface of the things I can do. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just scratching that surface, and I'm like, oh, I, I just figured out some other stuff that I, you know, I've been working on. Like, oh man, I'm starting to get better at this. I'm starting to get better at this. I'm starting to get better at that. I'm starting to get better at that. You know what I'm saying? I'm starting to figure out all these things that I'm getting better and better and better and better at. And my coach is just like, yeah, let's keep pushing it. Let's keep getting you better. You know what I'm saying? And it's not, they're not, they're not trying to restrict me. Like, oh no, you're getting too far out the box. You gotta come back in the box. I want you to fight just this way. You know, they're not they're not doing that. They're like, all right, let's keep let's keep piling piling it on, pile it on, pile it on. You know, so the guy just gets it, folks. Great win for Ode Osborne. We will see what is next for him. He wants Francisco Figueiredo. Like the call out. It's a good call out. And uh you know, make that move coming off that big finish as we get ready to wrap things up here on the program this week. One more guest to go, but before that happens, just want to thank everyone once again for watching, listening to the show. It means a lot. We're trying to like build this foundation here. And for those helping with that along the way, thank you very much. Also, big shout out to the crew, Casey Lydon on the production, Alex Zavis and Jose Young's on all the cool graphics you see, even my son Grayson for attacking me with his puppets on the preview show on Friday. I appreciate it very much. As always, ladies and gentlemen, have a heck of a week, everybody. We will leave you. Oh, my God. This is not <laughs> You may think this is like a bit. It's really not. He's standing on the stairs and he just likes to find openings but we're gonna leave you with my chat with another big winner from ufc 258 this past saturday night anthony fluffy hernandez good night everybody driving me crazy all right a little over 12 hours ago we saw this man pull off a huge upset submitted not just beat not just finished but submitted hadolfo vienna in the feature preliminary bout of UFC 258, massive win for one Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, who is kind enough to join us on this Sunday afternoon. Anthony, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Uh, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so how does, how does it all feel, man? I mean, you come in there, everyone sort of expected this to be sort of the Hadolfo Vieta showcase power hour, and you went in there and spoiled the plans, man. How does it all feel about 12 hours later? Uh-huh. Honestly, it's just uh, it's another day for me. Um, I'm just getting started. Like I said, uh, I had to get my mental state right. I'm back to like uh, my where I was supposed to be at, and uh, when I'm at my best mental, I'm unbeatable, I believe. And this is just the beginning, so um, it's not like a big deal to me. I really don't care. It's just one more step. it's not a a big deal so when everyone's like throwing these stats at you and the betting lines like none of that meant anything to you fuck them no (laughs) i mean i was gonna be i'm not afraid of being an underdog it's a fight when as soon as you start getting hit it changes they can always bet against me but uh i'm gonna bring my a game and uh when i'm when i want it i'm gonna get it so as simple as that so when you got the call about this matchup specifically I was told that you didn't even know who Hadolfo Vieta was. You were just like your manager was like, no, yeah, how about this guy? So did you learn about him yeah. along the way? Like, how did that all work? Um, they told me, my my, my manager is like, hey, we got this fight offer. Do you, uh, I'm like, okay, I don't give a fuck. Let's, uh, <laughs> if the coach are cool, then let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, just went from there. But yeah, no, I didn't know who he was. Uh, and then Dave's like, how do you not know that it was? He's a fucking legend or some shit. And then they just sent me a bunch of like 
jiu-jitsu stuff. And I'm like, okay, he's a grappler. Cool. <laughs> and then, yeah. <clears throat> That's wild, man. Yeah. So then just, you know, the build up to the fight and everything, it just seemed like, it, it seemed like it's one of those situations where we just had like, you had no pressure on you. You just went in there, you had a, ch- a chance to fight. Your your mental hit <laughs> stability seemed to be in a really good place. Plus not having the weight of all that, everyone just expected Hadolfo to go in there and beat you. You went in there and spoiled the plans, like we said. Did you feel that way? Like there was no pressure on you? This is just your chance to to go in there and, and just have some fun. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't really like know about the pressure, but I have like my own pressure, like situations of shit, you know? So for me, it was like, I need to get my kids to house and shit. So like, I'm willing to kill someone for my kids. And uh, that was like the pressure I had going into that race. And then I wanted to prove myself because my last one wasn't the greatest. Um, so like, I felt a little bit of pressure, but it's a fight. It's, if you don't feel, if you don't have feelings, then you're not human. You know, we're all human in the sport, so <laughs> feelings are good. <laughs> it's just what you do with them, you know. <clears throat> you talked about having to put yourself like in a better place mentally. What sort of changes did you make, and do you sort of remember the moment where you're like, "All right, I, I have to change this part of my game up"? Um, just I had just personal family shit going on, so um. I just figured it out. We handled this shit like adults. And uh, now I'm just mentally, I'm, I'm good. And then losing my father was like a big, big fuck up for me because I was like my best friend. Um, but I'm past that now and we just keep moving forward. <clears throat> and then heading in there, you know, the, the fight's playing out. He gets you to the ground right away. And most people are watching like, oh man, like this could be rough. But you 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 survived the onslaught and then you got back to your feet and everything changed momentum wise did you know that he was like in big trouble from that point that you had basically taken his best and you know that the, yeah, he was no. starting to completely gas out from that point no yeah um me and my coaches knew first round was gonna be the hardest they're like all right just survive the first or if it goes bad just stay calm and they're like uh don't like veer from the plan and all it's all gonna work out and we knew I had a gas thing on me, um, so we weren't afraid to push it, you know. And uh, things got a little bumpy at first, but we stayed calm and we kept, we just kept on coming. And then shit played out in my favor. Was was he close to to, to stopping it all? Was did, did it get did it get hairy in your mind, or were you calm, cool, collected no, the entire time? I was I was cool. I was cool. I was like, oh, this motherfucker's trying to get my elbow. <laughs> I was like, all right, get it down, get it down. I just listened to my coaches. And, um, yeah, just, I listened to my coaches, and they're to thank for that. They, I had a great camp. Uh, they put together a beautiful plan for me, and then I've had the right training partners for this. So, um, yeah, it was like there was no doubt in my mind going into this fight that I couldn't fuck this guy up. The first, the first round, like we said, it played out the way it did. You took all the momentum at the end of the first, and then the second, you started lighting them up. It, like it got to the mat for a little bit. You even landed like that, that Holly Holm to Ronda Rousey kick. Like you both got to the feet, and like he just turned head, yeah. right, right into the to the head kick. Were you surprised I mean, how durable he was? Uh, yeah, no, fuck yeah, it was. I like, kicked him in the head. I was like, God damn it! And then I like <laughs> hit him with that knee, the flying knee, and then I hit him with two elbows. I was like. All right, this motherfucker's not going. No, it's going to be plan B. I was like, you could tell he didn't want to be in there no more. I took him to like a dark place. So um, when he shot, I was like, all right, let's, let's get this choke. <laughs> 
so going in was was there a part of you that was like you know it'd be you know it'd be pretty damn cool if i submit this guy i i he, the adcc champion like if i go in there and submit him like no one will ever expect that was there a part of you that's like i want to prove that point to everybody it wasn't even about like adc shit like that it honestly that shit does not mean shit to me that's, that's like jujitsu world that's awesome credentials but this is it um buddy one um shit what was i saying sorry my kid came in here it's okay i know uh, i hear you man i got a seven-year-old uh just just his credentials being a, a an adcc multiple time champion oh yeah uh no i told my coaches way before the fight i was like i'm gonna submit him <laughs> <They're> like, no <laughs> you're not gonna do that do not go on the fucking floor with this guy <laughs> and i was like all right but what if i submit him do i get a strap in my clothes out <laughs> and then yeah so i mean i just had to put some icing on the cake for them Cause they were yelling, no, 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 <laughs> <to> the ground. <laughs> you got that. Sorry, but I got it. I, <laughs> you just know when you got something sometimes. And I knew I could get that. So you got the stripe now, right? Like no doubt about it. They handed it to you. They probably put it I on for you. Yeah. So, uh, I'm hoping. Oh, that hasn't even like, confirm it. it's not even no. done yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully when I get home. <laughs> that's insane not at least a, like 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 a promise to pay a ptp they give you a piece of paper like when will you get home we will give you the stripe nothing like that <laughs> nothing no i'm just hoping <laughs> for the best but you know martial arts martial arts you're not supposed to ask for that shit but hopefully i think i earned one <laughs> <laughs> i know i know Oh, you definitely did. I know heading into the fight, like you just said, like you didn't, you didn't think about any of that stuff, the credentials, like that's jujitsu. This is MMA. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you are the first fighter in UFC history to submit an ADCC champion in the UFC. Did you know that? Uh, no, but that's fucking awesome. Hell yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> does that mean it? Like, what does that mean to you? Just hearing that for the first time? That's, I mean, it's fucking dope. Uh, um, I'm not going to get too excited over it because I plan on keeping this shit going, you know? Um, just one more step towards what I want to accomplish. Do you feel like this is the break, like sort of the breakout performance for you where people will start, you know, I feel like the big storyline heading into last night was, you know, put some respect to my name. And it wasn't just for your fight. It was for, for yeah, Usman and Burns for a lot of that. fights. Do you feel that way about yourself right now? No, for sure. For damn sure. I've been doing this shit for a long time. I've been like committed to my dreams since I was 15 years old. So um, I've seen this in my head a thousand times. And uh, it's just one step closer to like what I want. Like I said, uh, I plan on being in here for a long time and being in the top soon. So uh, just keep that momentum going for me. Where do we go from here? I know right now you uh, probably want to hang out with the family, eat a little breakfast, enjoy the the fruits of your labor, so to speak. But in terms of fighting, go yeah. back home, smell the rose a little bit. You know, what's what, what are you kind of thinking about for for your next move? Um, so I got to figure out if my hand's broken because I can't move it this morning. <laughs> um, I felt it in the first round when I hit him. Uh, it was like my hand just went numb, and I was like, oh fuck, I think I broke it. <laughs> and. Uh, the right hand was there all day, so I had to keep going in regardless, you know. Um, I guess just figure out what's up with my hand, and I, like I said, I don't give a fuck who I fight. I'll figure out a way to beat him. Just um, get in there. Yeah. Uh, um, but I do want to be active this year, so hopefully this hand's not fucked up. <laughs> and it's just, like, in pain. 
There you go. And then uh, do you kind of want to have like, like we saw what Kevin Holland did last year. I know you shared the octagon with him for, for a few. It didn't go your way, but you know, he took the opportunity, stayed active and got in this great position. Do you see yourself sort of doing something similar to that this year? You feel like you could be that yeah, guy? I, I want to do that. I really do. As long as I can keep myself fucking healthy. Um, yeah. But yes, I would love to do that. What do we fucking been killing it? Congratulations to him, man. Did you see his? Uh, did Did you see his tweet at all? No, I, did, I don't even have like I don't know how to get on Twitter. I played <laughs> last night, but no, <laughs> no, I didn't see it. He had some. He, I mean, he he gave you props for the win, but in his own like kind of silly way, where he, you know, when when he sees his former opponents who he beat like get wins, he roots for them along the way, but he kind of calls them like his kids. Oh, good to see my kid like come through and get a big win. You know what I mean? But nah, he, it was nah, nice things to say. He, he's cool. I get it. He, like it, that's part of his persona. He, he's a cool cat. I'm like uh, I shared a joint with him after the fight, and we just bullshit you for a minute. But yeah, tell him I said thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> then you get the bonus too on on a card like this, which is pretty cool. What do we uh What do we gotta do with the bonus? How big was that bonus for you? Um, honestly, it was huge. Now I can get my kids the house they fucking deserve, and uh, you know, just keep it going. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, I appreciate the time. I I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you want to hang out with your family. You just want a, a, a crazy ass fight. Got yourself a bonus, and uh, <laughs> congratulations, man. I mean, really, just incredible stuff. It was, in my opinion, the moment of the card. Everyone jumped out of their seats. They couldn't believe it. And uh, what a way to start off 2021 for you, man. Congratulations, and uh, enjoy the time and Thank enjoy you. the one with your family, man. Well, dude, thank you for... You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA. For new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 